service today and to ask the Lord to touch us and help us understand and realize that I can't do anything without Him and we need His help today and appreciate what the Lord's done already, appreciate the singing and thankful just to be in the house of God and glad to have looked in the Word of God, and I'm no teacher by any means, but glad to have looked in the Word of God this morning in the Sunday school hour. I'm glad the Lord is a great God who does great things, and uh, I'm glad for it this morning, does things we can't do, and I'm grateful for that this morning. Glad I've been a partaker of some of the great things of God, and trust that the Lord will help us this morning, and as we said this morning in the Sunday school hour, that I pray He'll do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and uh, Brother John, as he prayed this morning, asked the Lord to let us leave different than we come, and I'm glad we can, if the Lord will meet with us, and to help us this morning in the house of God. If you have your Bible this morning, we'll turn please the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 4, 2 Kings, chapter number 4, <clears throat> and uh, we'll try to look this morning at the Word of God, and trust the Lord will help us. And again, desire that you pray for us, that God will help us this morning and uh, touch us physically and spiritually. Need that touch from above. No man can preach without. I want to be a help to you. It's my heart's desire to be a help and a blessing to you this morning. We can leave better by being in God's house. 2 Kings chapter 4, let's stand together if you're able and willing to do so out of reverence and honor. <clears throat> to the reading of the Word of God, very familiar scripture uh, that I'll read and you're hearing this morning, and I've preached from this scripture on several occasions, but the Lord has uh, led us here this morning again, and we'll try our best to uh, give to you what the Lord has given to us. Second Kings chapter 4, and we'll begin reading this morning in verse number 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. She constrained him to eat bread. It was so that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. She said unto her husband, I Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, Let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber, and lay there. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Now, we read these verses here in 2 Kings chapter 4. We know a little bit at this point about this man by the name of Elisha. We know in chapter 2 that he uh, takes up the mantle of Elijah, his predecessor, the man of God before him, and he begins the work that God does in his own life. We know that Elisha in chapter 4 in the first part is met with a woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets, a widow woman. 
and she don't have anything, she needs some help from the man of God. She don't. Uh, she has a debt that she has to pay, and Elisha says, "What do you have in the house?" And she says, "I don't have anything except a pot of oil." And we know the story that Elisha gives her the word of God to go borrow vessels and go in and shut the door on you and your two sons and begin to pour out. And God multiplied the pot of oil, and she sold what she needed to pay. Her debt, but not only that, she had enough to live of the rest. But now here we are told of the story, the record in the Word of God. Now it's not a widow woman, but the Bible said it is a great woman. Now there are many people who uh, have their opinion about what this word great means. Some say it means that she had a, a high name or a good name in the town. Some say that it means that she had much means or she was a wealthy woman. I think that maybe both are a significant and probably true of this great woman. And so now Elisha has passed here and she has constrained him or asked him or requested of him to come into her house, her and her husband, and let her feed him from her table. And so the Bible says that he does. And then she speaks to her husband in verse number 9 and she says, I perceive or I've come to realize that this is a holy man of God. And she said, I want to do something for the man of God. Can we do something for God's man? And she speaks to the husband and they come up with the plan that they will build a little chamber on the back of the house. And that's where we get the idea or the thought or uh, uh, the prophet's chamber. Many people have heard that phrase used. Many churches have them. Some in the church building, some in the fellowship hall. And this is where uh, biblically that that comes from. This is the prophet, the man of God. And the Bible said that this woman has spoke with her husband and she wants to make him a little chamber on the back of the wall to where he could come in and find rest. Apparently, according to Scripture, Elisha is passing back and forth through this area a lot in his ministry, in his work for God. And she says to her husband, as long as he comes by here, he'll have a place where he can go in and stay in this chamber. Now I'm amazed this morning that the Lord in His sovereignty and in His understanding records for us very specific details about what it was that the woman and her husband put inside the little chamber that she builds on the back of the wall. The Bible tells us in verse number 10, she says, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. She said, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. He'll have a place to stay. Now I began to look at this a scripture and I preached along these lines some years ago and the Lord began to deal with my heart again this week about the service this morning and I want to preach this morning. God, help me 
on getting back to the basics. Now I believe that here in the scripture there's a type of a lot of things and I understand that many preachers and people will go to extremes in their typology in the Old Testament and make it fit but I don't think we have to venture very far in typology to look and see that this chamber, this prophet's chamber, this little room that the woman builds, her and her husband for the man of God can look to us to be a type of the church. And so if we are going to look at it this morning as a type of the church, then we must look at what is inside, what she puts inside the little chamber. And the Bible said she puts there a bed, a table, a stool, and a candlestick. Now it don't sound to me much like there's a lot of thrills and thrills. There's not a lot of stuff in there, but I do believe that what has been placed inside the chamber by the woman and her husband are the basics that the man of God needs or the one that's going to come in the door. It is what he will need to find when he gets there. Now I look around in these days in which we live and I don't want to get off on this. I feel like I touch on it a lot but I feel like we're living in a day where the basics or the main things within the house of God have far been left behind and we've looked for other things, things to add, things to bring in and I'm afraid in doing so I thought about the churches in Revelation where Jesus is writing and John is writing the words of the Lord to them and he says to one, the church in Ephesus that they had left their first love. I'm afraid in these days that the people of God as the church that we have left the first love. That we have left him and we looked last week I think maybe it was Brother Tim taught in the Sunday school hour and then the Lord moved in the Sunday morning service about the Laodicean church and the Lord standing on the outside knocking wanting to come in. That's an evident picture in fact that we have left our first love. I'm afraid we have in these days. I'm afraid that many in this day have not just left the first love in the church but I'm afraid we've laid up our weapons. Many have got tired of the fight and tired of the battle and we've just tried to get along and tried to tolerate and we've accepted things in the church that should have never been accepted and I'm afraid we've laid up our weapons. I'm afraid in this day many are lacking the power of God. I'm saying the truth this morning. We're living in a day where the church of God has lost its power. So to understand that God has a church and he said he'd build it and even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I also read and we read this morning briefly looked over it in the Sunday school hour in the book of Acts chapter 4 that the apostles their ministry, their testimony, their preaching was with great power. And I'm afraid we've lost that power in this day. We've got our attention on so many other things. That's where Laodicea was in its letter. And that's where we are today. That our attention's been turned to so many other things. We've let down the banner. We do hold a banner. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school. That we have the light of the glorious gospel. And Paul told the church if it's hid, 
saved. It's not hid to us that are saved to have the knowledge, but it's hid to them that are lost. And the God of this world's blinded their eyes and their minds that they believe not. And if we're not going to shine the light, if we're not going to hold the banner high, then who is in our day? I believe that's right. I think we're living in a day where many people are searching for something new. Paul got off on the shore of Athens over there and he said all they wanted was something new. They spend all their time searching and looking for something new. I'm afraid we're living in a church world. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church within the church. We're living in a church age today that everybody is interested in getting something new. They want new plans. They want new messages. They want new men. They want new methods. And the list goes on and on and on on, but I'm afraid we've forsaken the necessary things for the things that don't really matter in this day and I think the church as a whole we need to get back to the basics of the things of God in our day you say well what are the basics preacher well I think in the scripture we're told about the basics now I want to say this and I'm not being mean but there was no source. And I understand that they were in Bible days. There was no such thing back then as a television or a radio or anything like that. But I want to highlight this morning just a minute and go on that there was nothing put in this chamber for entertainment. And I'm afraid in our day that the church world as we know it and church as we know it has become a form and a place of entertainment where the people go to get pleased. And we are living in that day that Paul told Timothy about where there will be a day that they won't induce sound doctrine but they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That that statement of that scripture, if you look at it in its language and look at the grammar, it is divided. It is not that the teachers have the itching ears but the people have the itching ears and so they'll find somebody to tell them what they want to hear. That's what Paul was saying. That's what he was warning Timothy about. That's why he challenged Timothy to preach the word. He said, don't go after this crowd or that crowd or that all they're interested in is being told what they want to hear. And it's been going on all through history. Mankind has not changed. People can look around and say that man's changed. Man's been the same in his sin from the very beginning. There was a day in the Old Testament where there was one prophet in all the land and the king said, let's find the prophet and the other king sent out and got paid prophets to come in and tell him what he wanted to hear and the other king said ain't there a man of God he said yeah there's one his name's Micaiah but I hate him because he only prophesies evil concerning me or in other words the king says I want to do what I want to do and Micaiah tells me that what I'm doing wrong and I don't like to hear what he says and so I've got my own prophets and my own preachers and he said I'd rather hear what they have to say because it's what I want to hear we're in that day today where they want to hear what they want to hear in Elisha's day, in the first part of Second Kings, we find out in Elijah, right before Elijah's taken off the scene, there's a king. He falls down through a lattice. He sends messengers to inquire of the prophets of a false god because he knows what the man of God has to say is not what he wants to hear. That's right. And Elijah meets them. 
says go back and tell your king he'll not get up off the bed he'll die where he is because of his wickedness and it made the king angry and he sent men uh, captains with fifties down there to bring Elijah and no doubt probably would have killed him uh, because he preached the truth we're living in that day today I mean we could go on and on and on through the scriptures I thought about Elijah on the contest at Mount Carmel the Bible said there were prophets of Baal and prophets of Grove and they ate at Jezebel's table. They were paid. They were, uh, uh, they were entertainers for Jezebel and Ahab who were the most wicked rulers that Israel had ever had. Uh, but they had some men to tell them what they wanted to hear. That's right. Go on down to the New Testament. You know what cost John the Baptist his head? Because he wouldn't tell the people what they wanted to hear. That's right. John the Baptist preached to Herod and it was not lawful for him to have his brother's wife and it made the woman mad and his, her daughter came in and danced before Herod. It pleased him. And he said, I'll give you whatever you want to have the kingdom. And she went to her mother and out of all the things, I mean think about it this morning, out of all the things that she could have asked for, up to half, she could have asked for half the kingdom and it had been given to her and the only thing she could think about was the head of the man of God because he preached what she did not want to hear. And we're in that day today. We're living in a day where the church world has become entertainment. That's why they've took out the pulpit. You could say, well, there's nothing biblical about the pulpit. I kind of beg to differ in the Old Testament. In Ezra's day, when they read the Word of God, the Bible said they built a pulpit of wood. Ezra stood upon it. It might not look like this pulpit. Matter of fact, the language of the Scriptures leads us to believe that it was just an elevated platform where Ezra stood up above all the people. And the reason for that was that, number one, the Word of God was holy and He wanted everybody to be able to hear what the preacher had to say but we've took out the pulpit and we've took out the real the, 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 the music that honors God and I'm going to tell you not every song that has that mentions God not every song that has some kind of form of scripture in it is God honoring you better be aware of what you listen to you understand that there's power and persuasion in music it's infiltrated the church world it's become a place of entertainment where we want our feet moved instead of our heart and I'm telling you one old preacher said up, move my heart and leave my feet on. That is right. We're living in a day of entertainment. We're living in a day of lukewarmness. And what we're doing, we understand that there's something wrong. And we're trying to substitute everything we can for the power of God that's missing. And so we become wrapped up. The church world as a whole has become so wrapped up in entertainment. It's time in these days to get back to the basics. To get back to what, if I could say it this way, it's time to get back to what really matters. What the woman did and her husband they put in this room, what Elijah, Elisha would need when he came there. And I'm telling you, when God birthed the church and the church was organized, I understand in the book of Acts it was different. They didn't have a building to start off with. They met house to house, but they were an assembly of born again believers. That's what the church is. It's not a building, it's a body. It's not a place on the side of the road. It's a born again, a bride purchased by the blood of Christ. But what this woman did, she put everything that the man would need when he came there. 
When God instituted the church and formed it and put it together, He intended for the church to have everything that the people would need when they come through the door. Both saved and sinners. I'm glad the church has been given by God everything we need to operate in these days. We don't need anything new. We just need to get back to the basics again. That's right. We live in a day where they've removed preaching because they removed the pulpit, they've removed the preaching. And they've magnified other things. But Paul said, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. I love good singing. I love testifying. I love rejoicing. I love crying. I love shouting. I love all them things. But there's nothing that will take the place of the preaching of the Word of God. It's the method God chose. He chose it. It pleased God through the verses of preaching to save them that believe to the wall. It is thirstless, but unto us which are saved, we know that God has put the power on the preaching. That's what Paul said. To the world that perishes, it's foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it, the preaching of the cross, is the power of God. That is right. And Paul said, God didn't send me to baptize. I understand their ordinances of the church. I understand that Christ left them for us for an example. I understand that the ordinances left there too in the scriptures for the New Testament church. And that's baptism and the Lord's Supper. I understand all that. But Paul said, that's not the main business of the church. It's not ordinances. It's not entertainment. It's not gains and gimmicks. Paul said he didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel. That is right. So I think in this day we need to get back to the basics. You say, well, what is the basics? What, what are the basics? What does these things in the chamber, what do they speak to us for the church today? Well, number one, the Bible said let's put him there, a bed. That sounds pretty self-explanatory, don't it? I mean, if he's going to stay here, if he's going to reside here, if he's going to turn in here, he's going to have to have a bed. Well, what do we find in a bed? We find rest. And I'm going to tell you this morning, the place of the house of God ought to be a place where folks can find rest. We ought to use, and I've said it so many times, I don't know how many times I'll say it, Again, this morning we ought to get back to using the word sanctuary. This is a sanctuary. The word sanctuary means a refuge, a safe place, a place to flee to, to hide in. And that's what God's given us here. The church ought to be a place of rest. It ought to be a place where we can find rest from our life. We live out in the world out there and understand the Scriptures tell us If we look in the Word of God, the Bible tells us we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so because we're not of the world and yet we're in it, that produces strife. And that produces friction. There's a war between our members, in our members. There's a war between the flesh and a war between the Spirit. And it brings a tiredness and it brings weariness and it brings weakness along the journey. But thank God for a place where we can come in and find some rest from the life we live. We ought to be able. I'm going to tell you the reason. We look back and it was mentioned during the meeting, Brother Jeremy preached about the old time way. And we have emphasized so many things. The old time way was not the old time way. The old time way did not have the power of God because they wore overalls or floor length dresses or because they carried red paisa handkerchiefs in their back pocket 
or because they rode a mule to church or because they grew everything they ate or because of this or because of that. It wasn't because they got up in the morning and milked a cow. It wasn't because they provided for their self from the land and they paid for it. It was because they had the power of God and they focused on God. He was number one in all areas of their life. And they knew when they came here they didn't come to church and I've been guilty of it and you have too if you've been saved for any length of time. They didn't come to church just to check it off their list. They didn't come to church just because it was Sunday and it was the thing to do. They came because they needed some rest. They came to get some help. They came to get some relief. They came to find out and hear a word from God. And everything else in their life. My how far we've come. Everything else in their life revolved around God. Now we live in a day today where we expect God to revolve around everything else in our life. If we have time, we'll come to church. If we're not doing something else, we'll come to church. If we don't have a hobby we'd rather do, we'd come to church. If, if we don't have this or have that, we'll come to church. But in their day, everything else stopped when it was time to go to the house of God. And it didn't matter, and I understand times are different, don't get me wrong, but it didn't matter to them if it was Monday morning and they were in the middle of the pl- in the middle of the field plowing a row, if the church bell rang for service on Monday in the afternoon, but they tied up the mule at the plow where it was, and they went to church because they understood they could not get anywhere else what they could get in the church. And I'm going to tell you, and it's not a popular thing to say, and many people might take it the wrong way and I don't mean it the wrong way but I'm going to tell you one of the major reasons people don't want to come to church in this day is because what is in the church they can find anywhere else I'm not talking about the true church or the things of God but we have come to a society where we can find entertainment anywhere else we can find games and gimmicks anywhere else we can find groups and cliques anywhere else and that's all about that's going on in many churches today and so people aren't desperate to come because they feel like they can find it anywhere else but in that day those people knew and understood what was in that place in that church house it didn't matter to them whether or not the pews were... And I'm not getting off. Thank God for padded pews. Thank God for carpet. Thank God that we didn't have to come in this morning and build a fire in a wood stove. Somebody had to come turn the heat on. Thank God for them. Thank God for air conditioning in the summertime. Thank God for all that. We don't have snow blowing in through the windows and all of that. But they, they may have. But that wasn't what it, it didn't matter to them. They just wanted God. And they knew at the house of God they could find what they could not get anywhere else and they needed some rest. I'm going to tell you in these days I've never seen people talking about the people of God. I've never seen a time when the people of God needed rest any more than they need it today. Rest from their life. Rest from their load. Maybe you're here this morning and your load's heavy. Your burden's heavy. I'm glad, thank God, that I have understood and been in times when the church to me has been a place of rest. That's what Christ said, Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. I'll take your yoke. I'll take your burden. I'll take your load. And you take mine. Mine's easy. And mine's light. You can find rest for your soul. Thank God for rest. We need some rest. This ought to be a place. Not just for the saints and the saved, but this ought to be a place. Oh, where sinners 
can come and get some rest. Where they can get some, I'm not talking about making them feel comfortable. I'm talking about God working their heart and the Holy Ghost move on them in conviction and save them by the marvelous grace of God and give them peace and joy and them understand the rest of God. There's not a rest for anybody else. That's what Paul said. There's a rest for the people of God. And those are the only people that have rest. But I'm glad this is a place and ought to be a place where sinners can come in weighted down and heavy with sin and find rest for their soul in the house of God. She said, let's put there a bed. Then she said in verse number 10, let's put there a table. I don't know what you do at the table, but most of my time at the table is I'm eating. I want to say this morning the, the house of God ought not just be a place of rest. It should be. But it ought be a place where we can come and get refreshed. Where we can come and get a little sustenance. A little strength. A little nourishment. Thank God for me. Have you ever come in the house of God? And I'm sure you have. I have. Have you ever come in on the bottom and walked out on the top? Have come in dragging your tracks out and walked out stepping high not because of what you did or anything in you but you found your place at the table. God fed you and He nursed you and He helped you and He refreshed you and He picked up your spirits and lifted them and encouraged you. This place ought to be a place of refreshing. Come in and the old saying is get a breath of fresh air. Oh, I'm glad for the days when I've come into the house of God and got a breath of fresh air. I'm glad for the days, and some of you have struggled with those kinds of physical ailments, and I have too. Uh, there was a long time, and God's been merciful uh, to me and gracious to me. There was a time in my ministry when I was, uh, uh, before I started pastoring here, and then in the first part of my pastorate here, I had a lot of breathing trouble, and I'd smother all the time, and it's hard for me to preach, and they had me on medication, and it took my breath away, it took my voice away, it gave me my breath, I could breathe, but I couldn't preach my voice would disappear and I struggled and that's how it is sometimes in this life all the things that are around you your environment your surroundings it seems like they smother you out and you can't breathe but I'm glad to be able to come in the house of God and get a breath of fresh air and be able to breathe and God refresh me and strengthen me and help me in these days and I don't just want God to do it for me I want God to do it for you I want us to come in and I mean when I say that it's my desire to help you but I can't help you without God's help and I want us to come together and if you're hungry and weary and weak and warm I want there to be something on the table from heaven that'll refresh you (coughs) we've been having some visitors come and I don't know their condition. Some of them say they're saved. Some of them will openly admit that they're lost. And I'm going to tell you when they come, and I don't know when they're going to come, but when they do come, I want them to come and find it. And it'll be a place of rest and a place of refreshing. There may be some of them that come beat down and weak and weary and worn. And I want something to be on the table for them. But we ought to want for anybody that walks through the door, be it us that attend here or a visitor, to find what they need in the house of God. And they can. God has it set up that way. If we will get back to the basics and emphasize that that's what church is all about. These people find them what they need. And so she put a, a bed and she put a table. 
I thought about when you get refreshed or you get some substance or some sustenance. I'm going to tell you what I've found church to be for me from time to time, many times in my life. And I've heard many of you testify to the same and it's what it's part of what church should be as you've come in and I've heard people saying it's not because of me I'm not a good preacher and I know that I'm not they're far better qualified than I and preach much better than I and have more wisdom and understanding than I do and and far better pastors than I am and I don't know what to say sometimes as far as opening up and I don't know any other way to preach except just whatever God puts on my heart that's all I know to do and I got about two gears slow and fast and that's about all I got but I'm telling you there have been times I've come in the house of God and you have too and it's been exactly what I needed and I thought about old Elijah when he got to feeling sorry for himself and the Lord told him to wake up and he set bread before him and he said eat and he went back to sleep and he woke him again and said eat again for the journey is too great for thee and the Bible said he went in the strength of that bread for 40 days you say what happened he got prepared for what he is fixing to face. And there have been times in my life, and if you'd be honest, it's been so in yours, that I've come into the house of God and the Word of God spoke to me. And it wasn't necessarily what I was going through right then. And I didn't understand it all at that moment. But when the problem the next day or the next day or the next week come, God brought it afresh again. And God was preparing me. He was giving me food to prepare me for the days ahead. That's what this place ought to be. A place where we can find some food. Old, like old Elijah. And I'll say, not physically, but I'll say there have been some days spiritually that the Lord set before me and I've went 40 days. I've went a long time in what God has given for me. And you have too and can. I thank God for the table at the house of God. But then let me hurry on and I'll be done. She said, let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool. Now all these others, when I began to study this and the Lord first met with my heart about this and I've preached on this before, maybe not so much exactly like this, but God just brought it afresh and again to me. All the others came real quick. I thought about it's easy to think about the bed, easy to think about the table we're going to get to the candlestick. It's easy to think about all them, but I got kind of hung up on this stool. I said, Lord, I know this is what you want me to preach, but I need you to help me understand what this means for the church. And I just closed my eyes and I was trying to listen for the voice of God and I just could see and God give it to whoever, however, but this is how He put it in my heart. I see old Elijah, old Elisha coming over, pulling out that stool and sitting down and just spending a little time alone with God. In the the hustle and the bustle, and the busyness and the hurriness he was going to and fro. He was a busy man. But thank God there was a place, there was a time where he could learn a little bit about God. I understand we're in busy days. And I understand. And there's some things God's working on me on. And I'm glad for it. And I, I trust he's working on you. I understand we're living in busy days and the days are fixing to get busier. We're going into this Thanksgiving and Christmas season and everything gets busy and we can't control people. I can't make people come and neither can you. But I'm going to tell you what, we ought to ask the Lord to help us that when we come to this place 
That it can be a place where we shut out the world and we forget about the business. We forget about what we got to do tomorrow. We forget about what we failed to do yesterday. We forget about what next month may bring. We forget about what bills ain't paid. We forget about all of that. And we find us a place to sit down and spend a little time and learn of Him. We live in the most busy, the most fast-paced society I've ever seen. And we have more technology now than we've ever had. Whether you like it or whether you don't, it's the reality of our day, but it seems like we are able to get things faster than we ever have and yet have less time than we ever have. And I'm going to tell you why we have less time. We go back to, look back to them old days. We don't have to go back a hundred years ago and do things the way they did it. It took them way longer to do the things we do today and it seemed like they had more time than we do and the reason is they made time. And our problem, and I'm saying I, I am at the top of the list many times I get so caught up and this for the school and this for the church and this for here and this for there and you feel pulled on every side and sometimes we fail to make the time to stop and learn of Him and spend some time with Him. I don't know what all Elisha did at this stool. Maybe he sat down and read the Word of God. Maybe he sat down and prayed. Maybe he bowed at the stool and prayed. I don't know, but I know the Lord put it on my heart that the church ought to be a place where we can stop, where we can cease from all our worry and cease from all our strife and cease from all our business and find a place to learn about Him. I believe that's right. Is that not what the Lord said? He said, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. I wonder how much learning of Him we've done this week. Lord, help me. And then I'm done this morning. He said, she said, Let's put a bed and a table and a stool. She said, Let's put a candlestick. I believe the place, the house of God ought to be a place for rest, a place for refreshment, a place for learning. And I think it ought to be a place for light. I want you to think about this and I'm done this morning. She didn't say let's put a candlestick, a candle. She said let's put a candlestick, a place for light to shine. Now the candlestick doesn't have light of itself. The light has to be given to it. And you and I do not have light of ourselves. I understand the Lord said, let our light shine, but that light is not manufactured by us. It's His light in us. God help that the church would be a place for the light to shine. That just cause we gather together, just cause we read out of the right Bible, just cause we sing the right songs, just cause we do this and do that, doesn't necessarily mean anything if the light doesn't shine from us. It ought to be a place, and we've mentioned it. I mean, here we are. The Lord's been good to us. And I don't worry about it. Some of you might worry about it, but I really, and I've talked to other preachers, and they don't understand it. And at times I don't understand it either. It's just God. I don't worry about where we're going to go. I know we don't own this place and a lot of times we might get frustrated at that and some of you might, but it don't, it don't bother me. Maybe it should, but it don't. Here we are. And it don't make me ashamed. 
Somebody says, where do you pastor? And I began to tell them. I said, we got a little white storefront building on the side of the road and God meets with us and helps us there. The building don't make a church. The builder makes the church. We put way too much emphasis on the building and way too little on the builder. Christ is the builder. He said, I'll build my church. But here we are. and At times we don't understand it. And I said, we. At times we get frustrated about it. But here we are in the Lord and His divine plan. It's kind of like when we read that story. I don't know how you see it. <clears throat> how you feel about it. But I read that story of Ruth and how <clears throat> the Bible said her hap was to lie on a portion of a field belonging to Boaz. And that word hap does not mean she just happened to be there or just chance or luck. The word hap, if you study it in its original, in the Hebrew, it means of the divine will of God. That God led her life for her to find her way to Boaz's field. And I look back on my life and I've pondered about it this week. Some things I've endured and went through that I would never, in my flesh, I would never want to go through again. Times of fear and times of frustration, times of brokenheartedness, times I felt like I was forsaken, times I, and I'm not asking for pity this morning, I'm just preaching to you. But then I look back through the eyes of God. He lets me look through the eye of faith and realize that all not just that I went through, and I'm not magnifying me above you. What we've all went through has brought us to this place. And here we are in this little white storefront building on the side of the road, and there are people going up and down every day, and it seems like they never pay any attention to what's going on in here. But there may be a day, not that these lights or the porch light or the light on the sign But there may be a day that the light of the gospel breaks forth through these walls and catches the heart of someone going up and down the road and the work of the Holy Ghost draws them in. We've seen people come. I understand there have been some people come by invitation, but I have talked to some people and I've seen some people come that they were never invited. I didn't invite them and you didn't invite them. But here they come and many of them have said that it helped them and they may never come back. I can't control that and you can't control that. And at times I question it and I wonder why. But then my mind is brought to the fact that this is a place. God help it to be a place where folks can find what they need wherever they are in life. It's not for me to judge what they're doing and who they are when they walk through the door. If God has brought them through the door, uh, may they find what they need here. And if God hasn't brought them here, God can take care of that too if they don't need to be here. But I am saying this morning, God help me. I'm going to preach to me. God help me uh, to do my part so that the church uh, can be a place where folks can find what they need. So many times in my life I have found what I needed in the church. More often, I've not, I understand vacations are good and I'm all for them in reason. I understand all that. And sometimes we find rest and that's wonderful, spend time with your family. It's a wonderful thing. But I'm going to tell you, I have never found anywhere else what I found in the house of God. I've never found rest like I've found in the house of God. 
I've never found refreshment like I've found. I've come in many times and I'll admit it. And maybe I'm weak and showing my weakness this morning. I know I'm nothing. But there have been many times I come in ready to quit and give it up. But I found a table. And on the table I found bread from heaven. And it refreshed my soul. Many times I've come and felt like I couldn't go on no farther. But I found a bed. And I found some rest in the Lord. Many times I didn't know what to do. And everything was pulling me to and fro. But I found a place where to just stop and see it and learn. And let Him speak to me. Many times I was in the dark and didn't know what to do. I'm glad for a place of light. I'm glad for the light of the gospel. I'm glad it went and shed abroad in my heart one day and I'm glad it didn't stop shining. I'm glad it still shines in this day and all the dark corners and the things I don't understand and the things I need to take care of and the things I need to repent of and the things that might bother me and the things I... I'm glad for the gospel light. Thank God for it. The writer wrote, Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. It will shine through the church. May this place, this morning, be a place where we major on the main things. There are trivial things. There are things we're going to disagree on, but there are minimal things. Just let them go. There's no sense on majoring on the minors. But I'm telling you what, there are some major things that the church ought to be. God help us to have that. Thank God for what we do have here. Lord, help us to guard it that others may find in the house of God what you and I have been privileged to find in these days. Father, I thank you this morning for our time together. I know, Lord, it's not been my